One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. Actually, you know, we've had over 150 episodes of the show now uh, as, we, as we start to get into our fourth full year of doing the show. And we can't thank the audience enough for continuing to uh, support the show, support our vision uh, as we continue to try to bring some of the latest trends to you, not only technology and business, uh, but in life as well. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. I know it's December. It's starting to, to get into the holiday season. People start to listen to us more in December. That's because we're all trying to waste that uh, that time at work and, and get out and get to the holidays and get going. But uh, I'm super excited about today's show. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, there's a lot of press about it. Um, there's a lot of information, and I uh, have just become super aware of this market really in the last, I'd say, eight months or so um, as, as I've joined ranks uh, with an organization called uh, NICE uh, to look at what we call robotic process automation, uh, or RPA. And what's it's interesting is I hosted a PMI event, a Project Management Institute event, uh, last year where there's about 40,000 people online all worried about what AI is going to do to project management. Uh, and so there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of exciting things coming as well. So what I thought I would do was bring uh, one of the foremost experts that I know on the on the uh, topic of RPA. Uh, he's actually a passionate process optimization professional and, it, and he's had a decade of various roles in this industry uh, from development through sales and, and consulting. Um, and now uh, he works for uh, NICE, and they help uh, large enterprises in the United States and Canada to transform their customer experience and augment their employees, leveraging the power of automation and AI. And the key word there is augment, and that's what we're going to get into. But let's bring uh, more Riva on. How you doing, more? Hey, thank you for having me in the show. Very excited, I must say, and uh, I'm looking forward for a great discussion about it because, as you mentioned, really, we will speak about how do we augment and it will be our focus because we hear a lot about the trend in RPA and automation, so looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and a lot of the trend you know, is coming right out of science fiction. You know, the, the machines are going to be smarter than us. They're going to take over, all that <laughs> other stuff. So we're going to separate some fact uh, from, some, from fiction. But, you know, more, I, a lot of what I learned came directly from you. We've spent uh, a few days together, and uh, I've come up to, uh, to your offices up there and, and learned all I could about right. the industry. But uh, what was fascinating to me is some of the uh, expansion of the, of the trends of technology, like from early RPA to where it sits today, you know, when it was based on screen scrape and, and all that. Talk about that a little bit. I found that fascinating when we were talking about that before. Yeah, actually, you would see that uh, in the market, indeed, RPA started from the basics, and you would see actually the roots of automation, or what we say, it, it didn't start with the hype of robotic process automation. If you look at it in the history, it actually started roughly around somewhere... 20 years ago, where you see some of the big companies out there, they started to release all kinds of unique mini features that allowed employees actually to automate their activities. So if you remember the AS400s or the green screens, the famous oh, yeah. ones that we were using. So when we've seen that, it was quite repetitive to constantly pull up information. The companies thought, oh, why if we, what if we'll be able to maybe record our actions and with a click of a button, you'll be able to get those actions automatically. And you see that with IBM, for example, and Microsoft, 
that they released the macro capabilities, all of us are actually using and trying to optimize our work within Excel. And that very small concept slowly developed to say, you know what, what if we'll be able to maybe zoom out and see it from a broader perspective that rather than being limited to an application, let's try to see if we can look on an organization on the way that employees are actually doing all kinds of processes and how we'll be able to expose similar capabilities, but cross all of the technologies that are out there available in the market. Actually, fun fact would be that we did a survey in NICE, and in our install base, we discovered that every employee in the workspace to do a process on his day-to-day job will in average use more than six different applications. And you know, he needs to know how to manage and to orchestrate all of those different technologies in parallel. And this is actually where our RPA burst into the market, and we were exposing technologies that had the ability to automate from start to end, you know, things like mouse selections, copy and pasting of information, a lot of data gathering in the applications and and inserting information into the CRM applications essentially, but also using all of the different applications that we have on the desktop, like uh, the Office Suite, or if you're speaking about Excel or Outlook and emails that we are sending constantly, and all the way down to ERP platforms or databases that we are working with. And at that point, we were thinking, you know, while we have the ability to outsource those cases and to automate them with RPA, we need to always think on what's next. What we can do with it, because automation, it's not enough to just automate our work because we notice that something is missing from that path. And the most important part, it's the human touch. And what we did here was how do we transform that technology, the base technology of RPA, and we bring it back to the people. As you remember, we said that our main theme that we go by is that automation is for the people. And the technology evolved to a point that now, rather than just automating cases from start to end, we're trying to see how we can complement employees on their day-to-day tasks and working men and machine collaborating together. Yeah, and so let's let's talk though, you know, stay with the history back, right? Screen scrape, it was based on fields and where they were. So if you resized your your window or you move something, you, you minimize your window, right? The robot broke, right? The, the early stages. Correct, correct. But if you even think about um, how software has evolved over the last five years, uh, you know, normally you would buy a big uh, license fee or subscription to a piece of software. It, it, look at Microsoft for, for that matter and how mm-hmm. we get Microsoft Office. You used to buy that in, in, in as a, a big uh, licensing agreement with, with the company and then you had to upgrade and people would stay behind versions, all that. But now everything is in subscription and everything's in the cloud and things are moving so much faster. Um, so I know in my world in, in project management, they not only do you have Microsoft Project, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, you have some sort of project management tool like a Clarity or uh, a Monday or that kind of stuff. Now you've got Agile coming up. So you've got Jira, you've got Slack, you've got all this. So we're definitely in this application economy. And what's happening is is teams are able to make decisions to get their own software versus the whole enterprise, right? So you'll see an enterprise team right. go or go get Jira and all of a sudden you've got all this information in Jira. And I know that you know, I'm watching projects, you know, spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get two applications talking to each other. And after you're done with that, there's still nine more that, that have <laughs> cropped up that you want to get in there. And that's why I think it's a perfect time for this technology in this industries is how to move data but allow teams to stay autonomous. Does that make sense? Definitely. And you would see something that you, you touched upon is that 
in many scenarios, when we have those applications, it requires a lot of heavy integrations behind the scenes to actually make those applications talk to each other. But when you bring those kinds of solutions to the business where the teams themselves can determine how they would like to process something, how they can improve the day-to-day work that they have, and then with a simple interaction between technology rather than integration. And I think those are two key words. How do we differentiate between a pure integration between technology comparing to interaction? And when two systems can interact with each other and there is a two-way communication and data can flow to the employee, he can focus on what matters the most, as we say, rather than constantly managing the application rather than managing a project. Well, let's, let's get into a particular on that. So, for instance, one of the biggest things I've seen, and, and quite frankly, I've made a lot of money doing this, is integrating a financial system with a project management system. So, your project managers are in charge of the budget, they're in charge of the spend, they're in charge of the amount of time people spend, and they're accountable to that budget, yet most of the information is sitting in an ERP somewhere, a PeopleSoft or an SAP or something, you know, Microsoft Dynamics, that kind of thing. And so there's always this uh, want to be able to have an integration, and they always say real-time, which is one of my favorites. It's like, it's not ever really real-time. But essentially, you end up you know, building a batch file or doing something of that sort, and it's just a ton of information exchange, and then, of course, additional setup and additional um, burden on the staff to make sure that you have keys in both systems that they can talk to each other and how that works. Um, And so, really, an RPA, when that invoice is reconciled in SAP, you could actually just fire a robot to go put that into the project management system and be done with it, right? No, No large batch file, no integration, and I guarantee you'd be far less cost than any integration anybody sat down to build. Is that is that a fair statement? It's a fair statement, and actually to complement that one, you would see that uh, one of the even the challenges that we faced as we evaluated that process, you would see even when you go to an actual assignment of the project manager in order to leave it, you see that there is all kinds of steps we need to do in between. And you see that there is the booking and then how it goes to the system and the teams to be assigned within, for example, application like Teamline and to open that item and up to the point that the actual manager will be assigned with those systems. But when you are involving the robot and connecting it in the let the robot make sure you're bringing all of that in a timely manner. And time is critical here. As you said, a lot of us love to say in real time. And I'm asking, like, is it a real, real time? Or is it like <laughs> nearly real time? Like, what does it even mean when we say that it's real time? And then you have the robot managing those activities such as the insert to the application. Let's do the uploads. Let's analyze the data. Let's prepare it and organize it potentially in structure, the templates that we can insert to the systems. And when we are kicking off the project, we are starting off with a better position than actually starting it from those very beginning, like from the beginning, from those specific points. Well, and, and not only that, but if, if we're going to do an integration most of the time we're picking the process up after that invoice has been reconciled for, for whatever reason, and then we're passing it down, and then there, if there's questions or issues, right, we got to work that out. Whereas we actually could optimize that entire invoice process, right, essentially approve AP, and the final step is the entry of the, of the information into a project management tool. I think that's what people are missing is, is not only is it helping from an integration perspective, but we also can process invoices better or in a better way with, with robots. And you will see something to share about that point because you see also we are always asking the questions around, uh, and it was a great point around what would happen if it would fail because sometimes we do have some caveats. We have some mistakes down that process. So the question is constantly do we or 
do we want to go to that ping pong scenario, I called it, when we are getting, we're reconciling the invoice, then we have a mistake and we say, okay, we need to take it one step back, potentially send it back to the initiator and then go into that back and forth a point or the machine will get that information, will process it. If it's successful, let's it automatically create the, the item and let's take it from there. Or if it fails, let's activate now analytics. Let's see all of the capabilities that the machine already has embedded. Let's collect all of the info points on why it failed. And then, as I said, bring it back to an employee. But when the employee will get it, he will see why we failed, what are the issues, and how to redirect it. In some scenario, by the way, Rick, we are able to redirect it by ourselves with the robot already. If some entry points, for example, I've seen it that it's very common that there are dates issues, that you see that for some reason the invoices of a, of a date that is in the past that, for example, cannot be booked for a reason, and then we need to re, uh, return it back to the requester to say we need you to update that date so we can actually book it. So in this scenario, we would say the robot will notify the requester, please keep in mind that the date is... Um, it's in the past already, and we need to update it to the day. It will be either from today or moving forward, and it will be with an automatic email that is being pushed from that robot. And this entire optimization will happen, and optimization is key here to the process, so always we'll get first data at a higher quality. But in addition to the quality, let's manage those exceptions. Let's try to see how we can prevent that ping-pong scenario. So I think that's an interesting thing. And we're about to go into break here. So while we're on break, I want people to think about this and we'll address it. But what we're essentially saying is, is automation isn't replacing. It's just repl- it's, it's automating the mundane so that we can have our knowledge workers and those that are people there do exception handling, essentially is what we're talking about. And we're going to continue this discussion right after the break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. We've got more Reva with us. We're talking about robotic process automation. We keep saying robots. We don't want to we're not talking about the physical Terminator-style robots that run around, but we are talking about software robots that can do 
automation. And what's interesting is if you follow kind of even the evolution of my speaking career and my books that, that, that I put out there, uh, you know, initially it was how can a project manager just do better? Um, how can I as a project manager impact an organization, uh, even though I may not be high ranking in the organization? Uh, and then I started getting involved uh, very heavily with uh, project portfolio management software uh, vendors. And, and my big speech there is, is I started doing that piece was that, you know, almost half of our time or even three quarters of our time as a project manager is all talking about what happened last week. Right, so you got to have a status meeting, and you got to go around the table, and everybody tells you what they did, and and essentially we just update documents. That by the time we finally publish our reports, a week has already gone by, and we just start the whole process over again. So when you start to think about automation and robotic process automation, we're really talking about freeing up that time where all we're doing is discussing last week, where the project manager, whose primary job is to communicate and to plan very rarely has time to communicate or plan. And that's the benefit that we're starting to see in, in AI. Now, I've seen reports and articles out there that says that AI is going to replace a project manager. Look, gang, if, if you believe that, it's, you don't understand project management. You don't understand what we do. You don't understand the benefit or the value of having somebody like us anyway. But when you start talking about enhancing what a project manager can do and allow them to use their critical thinking techniques and their planning techniques and not have to sit here and generate a bunch of reports that nobody reads anyway, then now we're really starting to get to the crux of what AI can do. So we're talking to more about this. So more, you know, we, we, we just talked about like one of the, the aspects, the financial aspect. We can balance the financials. We can pull it directly from an ERP and all of that can be real time. So as a project manager, I can just hit a button and see where I'm at. But let's talk about, uh, you know, pre-engagement and post-engagement. And uh, just let's talk about some specifics too of where we really can see a benefit of using, you know, robotic process automation. So one real life example that we had is that referring to our previous section of the show is that a lot of work at the beginning prior to the engagement of the PM is being done in multiple systems. And the important part, you will see that we are engaging with multiple entities in the organization. So for example, I'll give you one from the nice side that when we have an incoming engagement on our side, there are three different entities that we are reaching out to. The first one is the support one. The second one is the project management team. And the third one is the finance team. All of those need to constantly collaborate in order to create a project that will be managed eventually. What we've seen that eventually, because we're jumping between all of those different points, sometimes SLAs may be high. And what if in the pre-work, prior to the engagement itself, we will be able to immediately transfer that information to a machine? So what we did effectively is transferring all of the requests from the finance to a validation system. The validation system has the ability to be enhanced by solution. If you are familiar with OCR, that it stands for optical character recognition. It can read numbers, scan documents. It can analyze the data inside. And with also machine learning capabilities, it can learn more than a single format. Based on that, it will automatically digitize the, the, the data and start inserting into our system. Then it will validate that all of the data is of a high quality and that it's indeed accurate. We'll be, we'll be able to automatically manage those exceptions as we referred to before. And in case of an exception, leveraging the analytic and the knowledge that we have throughout the process on how to reject it smartly and bring it back to employees so they can do a faster analysis to rebook it back in the system. And when we have all of that data sorted out, then we can immediately go to the assignment. 
So we are going actively to the system, creating a new item, creating a new project, and then the employees can take it from there. So eventually the SLAs, as we impact, you remember always we said the customer experience. Think about it, us as project manager, we are serving a type of a customer both internally and externally to the organization. And we constantly want to keep a high level of a service in order to make our customers happy, right? And in order to do so, when we even impact the SLAs, when we impact the response time, when we even have, and we know that it will take us one to two days or even four days to have the response, to have a robot at the very first step of the the, uh, data processing to even automatically send an email to our customer saying, Mr. Customer, I received your request. I'm now processing it and I will be able to reach out to you shortly. Think about it, how important it is to set expectation with your audience. And when we do the right setting of expectation, our audience is more tolerant when we potentially will say that SLAs may be longer because we know in advance we will not surprise only when it's already too long. And when we have that information with the right setting of the expectation, with an automatic and optimized platform in the pre-process, then when we are getting that project assigned as a project manager, then this is where the robot kicks in with the actual, uh, as we said, real-time activity to support me in my actual PM work. Does it make sense, Rick? Absolutely. Let's take a let's take a smaller example though. Let's talk about something like um, uh, lessons learned, which which I always laugh at organizations. I ask how many project managers you know when when I've got a large room of project managers, they'll say, "Well, how many do lessons learned?" And you'll see everybody raise their hand, and, and they kind of have to because it's a checkbox. And then you say, "Okay, who reads the lessons learned before they start their next project?" And nobody raises their hand because they simply don't have time. But uh, one of the things that we had innovated in, in our book. Uh, when I wrote the book, Project Management That Works, was a, a real risk assessment that allowed um, us to serve questions to the project manager that would then go get relevant lessons learned and bring it to the attention of the project manager. So they are learning, but they're learning real time based on that. And so what I see is something very much like a, a uh, support desk type operation where when they're starting to put specific tasks into a project plan or they're starting to put risks into a risk register, there's that knowledge base that's going, hey, by the way, I noticed that you had this, you know, in your in your risk, and I found these five lessons learned that that had that in the, in the name as well. These may be relevant to you, right? So using a robot to essentially go and mine data that's in all these different formats and bring it to you. And that's essentially what you do, right? Talk about... Um, and, and you will see to complement that point, maybe, you would see that... Um, Really, when we have that, as I said, the knowledge bases, the ocean of data, it's sometimes not that easy to find something that is relevant for you. So we are kind of reinventing ourselves with every project that we are doing, and we are bringing those lessons learned, and we are not necessarily sharing it across the board. So if we had the ability to learn from others, people, activities and patterns and things they did in the right way, and the robot will be able to highlight it for me, we will scrape that data from the knowledge base. We'll bring all of that relevant information and pop it up in front of the project manager saying, listen, I think that you need to take care under one, two, three, four, five, because those are the important topics from previous similar engagements, for example. So let's let's give another example, and this isn't outside of the project management world, but it it, it made everything kind of snap together for me when I saw that. Take us through um, uh, what it's like when when you demo, say, a credit line increase, and, and I'm I'm somebody who's who's taking a phone call from a customer, and they they want to request a credit line increase. What the robots kind of do behind the scenes? 
So the robot goes to actually to the very beginning. It tries to first analyze before you even engage to the, with the organization on what was your selection. Think about it even when you go through an IVR system and you already did some selections on screen or, or with your mobile. This is important data. We are already getting that information from either the software or the IVR platform directly to the robot to potentially predict what you are about to do as a part of the engagement. So when you're calling, rather than say, hey, why did you call me today? The next new question would be, hey, Rick, I see that you called me to increase, increase your credit limit. Is that correct? Based on your confirmation, the bot will automatically load on screen guided questions that will help me to interview you or to see a, a kind of a set of qualification questions in order for you uh, to be qualified for that increase. Assuming that you answered all of the questions and uh, um, uh, correctly, what we will need to do, the, the employee himself will need to go to an actual qualification stage. And we are saying sometimes that it's funny that while we do that as employees, this is when the customer is now waiting and listening to a beautiful music time. Oh, yeah. This is all of us listening to the music time with, you know, with airlines, with banks. And we would like to minimize that waiting time and hearing music. We want more speaking times as employees to be more engaged, to feel that they care. And then what we are doing, in order to minimize that time, we are actually making the robot to do the validation stage so we can communicate everything that is happening to you as our customer. And by the time that the robot will finish, I can educate you if that was approved or what not approved. And it's very visual and interactive on screen. So the employee will constantly engage with that personal assistant on screen. And the personal assistant will bring the right information at the right time for that increase. Now, assuming that you are qualified and we can go to the next stage, the robot would say, hey, I see that the customer is qualified. Would you like to click here on a button? And I will actually go through the systems and update the credit for you. And this is, again, when we can focus on talking to our customer, whether those repetitive actions will happen automatically in order to eventually impact customer experience as much as we can. Yeah, it was so interesting to watch that that demo, and it's something that that you know we're happy to show people so they can get it. But they, w w what was interesting was two things. Number one, you see people implement technology, but you don't see them implement technology fully. And let's talk about the IVR for a second. As a customer, I can't tell you how many t how many times I get upset that I've got to put in you know my bank account number, and then I got to put in my PIN, and then I got to validate my phone number, and then the first thing that they do is ask me to do all of that again because the IVR is not connecting to the system, so they That's don't know correct. I've authenticated. Right. And so how many times do they go, who am I speaking with? And I was like, you should know, right? You've got my phone number. I've just, <laughs> I I've, I've just gave you my firstborn. Yeah, I just gave you my firstborn male child. You know who I am. <laughs> um, but, but again, it's just those systems not, not talking to each other. The other thing is, is that there's, you know, a mainframe application they have to touch. They have to touch Salesforce. They have to update their account notes. They have to do all these different things. Um, that the robots actually just take care of for you when it's implemented properly. And what I see in that is, I mean, uh, somebody who's taking an average of, say, 40 or 50 calls a, a day could actually do 80 or 90 calls a day and with better outcome, better service. That's correct. And actually, I want to tell you a funny story before we break out to say that, uh, you know, about that integration with the IVR, with one of our clients, I actually asked them why sometimes we ask all of the questions all over again. And then one of the agencies showed me on screen, as soon as a call was coming into the organization, the IVR platform popped up the following, 2XYY hashtag exclamation mark 70. And then he said, Mo, how can I know why the customer is calling based on that code? And I asked him, like, why doesn't it state an, a valid reason? He said, I don't know. And this is the integration issue. And the only thing that we did for them, even before actually implementing the robot, 
we were mapping all of those codes to valid reasons in English, in proper English. And we said that that code match actually a customer credit increase. For another customer, a different code will match for a, a billing issue that he has. And to make that engagement more customized, to say first, hire you, Rick, and approach your customer to say that I see you in my system. And second, I see what's your problem. Because we know that when we're getting an incoming call, it's not necessarily because we are happy. Right. Because we want to do something. <laughs> not because I'm happy and ju- I just want to say, hey, you just have an amazing service. And this is where we see the impact, truly. So we're going to take another break right here. But when we come back, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the most exciting features that I've seen coming forward. So you're going to want to hang on after these commercials uh, to hear what we're talking about. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon, and uh, we're talking about robotic process automation. And, you know, what was interesting is as I did research into the industry, I saw a lot of uh, documentation around uh, automation projects that failed and why they failed. So first, talk about that for a second more. Why, why do automation or robotic process automation um, or optimization projects fail? And what is some technology that we can do to address that? So actually, we did a research around that in our company, and we discovered that the number one reason why automation projects fail is not necessarily due to technology. The main reason we discovered is because organizations are choosing the wrong process that they should, autom- that they should automate. You would see in the very first meeting when a client would see the technology, they will be so excited about already going forward and try to test it out in the environment, and they will immediately tell you the following sentence. And I cannot even tell you how many times I've heard that by saying that, oh my God, do you know, I have this extremely painful process that I want you to automate for me. And we are asking the question, does painful always translate to value? In some cases it does, but you would see that in many cases, not necessarily that it is, because 
the painful processes or the extremely complicated one or the one that are, takes you forever to process and are involving multi-entities, indeed it's an organizational pain, but not necessarily that it will bring you the value that you're expecting. And we were trying to think internally in our company how we can improve that process and how we can make a kind of a smarter process selection, how we can impact and bring value faster in the, um, in the implementation phase. And we came up with an idea and a new product we call the Automation Finder. Automation Finder is a tool that is based on artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I know for all of our listeners, artificial intelligence, it's a very, very big word. And I'll be very specific by explaining about this one, that what we're doing, we are using an advanced analytic engine. Think about every mouse click that you did on a computer, every time you copy, then you use the keystroke control C or control V, or you focused in Excel or you moved items to Teamline or Jira, and then from there you copied it to a different platform or a main CRM application. We're trying to collect all of that information and we are transferring it into what we called an unsupervised machine learning engine. That engine will try to cluster the information and to try to kind of make sense from the activities that we are doing and will try to transfer it then will actually transfer it to a deep learning phase. That's where the sophisticated part um, stuff would happen. The deep learning phase will actually start to categorizing and creating human patterns and to identify how many employees are doing the same type of common activities. And then it will present to you in a very nicely dashboard. So what happened eventually, Rick, is think about it that we are collecting a massive amount of real data of real employee work processing it and trying to identify common patterns that are executed by employees. The result of that is that you are not guesstimating what would bring you the value. You are getting a list, a priority list of facts of what your employees are actually doing on, on their day-to-day, -day, the variety of ways that we are doing it, because as you all know, and we discovered it quite a lot, that all of us love to take shortcuts as employees. We want to see how we can do things faster and not always a shortcut is the fastest or more efficient way. In many scenarios, it can be even the longest one. And when we are identifying all of those unique patterns and we know what is the organizational actual points in the way that they do cases, it allows us to seamlessly now convert it and to try to optimize it and also, of course, use automation in the process with both robots and personal assistants. Yeah, so to say that back, when we're looking at ROI, and when you hit, when you just said Control C, Control V, um, over the last three days, I probably hit that uh, a thousand times as we were doing a large migration for for a client this week. And while that's very painful for me, and 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 of course, it's it you know the the, the company pays money for us to do that. It's not something that they're going to do every day, all day, right? It, it's a one-time activity. So we could say, wow, this process is very intensive on cut and paste, but it doesn't mean that there's going to be ROI behind it. In the meantime, Correct. they've got 2,000 employees that are doing something that takes 30 seconds, but that's where the ROI is, right? It's, it's because they've done it. An amazing case. Yeah, amazing yeah. case that actually happened to us there is that uh, one of the customers, he wanted to actually automate a process that takes nearly 45 minutes. It was within a, a financial institution, something in regards to anti-money laundering within his account, and it takes 45 minutes to analyze one account. But then when we analyze this priority list, we realized that they have a process that takes only 44 seconds. And we said, Mr. Customer, you should start with that. And he said, no, it's only 44 seconds. Every employee can do 44 seconds by himself. I need you to do the 45 minutes. What he wasn't aware, that the 45 minutes, it happens only two, three times a day. That's it. What he didn't know is that the 44 seconds are accumulated to 62 hours of immediate savings because employees are doing it more than 5,000 times. 
And this is the kind of information we want to pop up. Yeah. And that's, and, and again, that, that's the, it's it's almost anti the way we think, right? Because it's the big, long, hairy, nasty process is what we want to attack. And the little things that, that take me no time, uh, I watched somebody uh, cut and paste um, uh, something out of an Excel template in, into Word. And I was like, you know, they've got mail merge for that. You know, you can you can set it up, you can hook it up and, and, and off it goes. And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. It only takes me, you know, a couple of seconds each. And I was like, yeah, but you've been doing this for like three hours. <laughs> I mean, so sure that one activity only takes like a couple of seconds, but your total time spent is ridiculous. But but we don't think that way. If it's quick, if it's easy, or if it's something under a minute, then we don't think that there's value. And that could be where the most savings are sitting. That's correct. And this is exactly when we say, and again, we started by saying that, you know, artificial intelligence is a very big word. Nearly every product out there now is going towards an enhancement with AI. But when you connect it actually to the analytic points and you bring those facts, because, you know, we are always saying that we don't know what we don't know. And we want to get the visibility into those kind of activities. So we will be able to impact on that ROI faster. So how does the technology stay ahead? Like, there, I mean, there, there's been a thousand apps created since you and I started this show. <laughs> They're out there. How does the technology, <laughs> right, right. So how does the technology stay uh, ahead of that? Do you have to build an integration to each one of the applications? How does that work? So we did actually something quite smart on my say that we realized that eventually all of those applications for enterprises will work with Microsoft operating systems. So we said those applications had to communicate with Microsoft already. So why wouldn't we hook up to all of those messages, all of the activities that are happening on a computer as a computer while creating integration through what we call base technologies. So eventually every technology out there, even in the last hour, we have 20 more technologies that were invented. All of them are written on a base language. Even if you know it will be a Java application or a .NET application. So we did a connection between all of the messages of that operating system and all of those base technology. And then we, we are collecting all of the set of activities that is happening in that scenario. So as I said, both collection of base technologies and the operating system. Now, all of those messages are being transferred constantly to the personal assistant. The personal assistant is starting to do all of the analysis part. And in order, as you mentioned, how do we stay constantly competitive and how do we constantly improve it? With every implementation, this is where the machine learning engine is going, uh, is taking effect, actually. In some rare scenarios, we do see an application that we don't have a connection to, or the application is not exposing a kind of an event. That information will go to the machine learning engine. We'll see it as an exception, as we'll see only the outer information from it, and that will be added as a new connection point, and we'll enhance it with constant new connectors in the market. So every new version of the automation finder and the personal assistant will be able to connect seamlessly to more and more technologies out there. So that's interesting because, you know, my initial thought when, when I was looking at the industry is that everything was API based, but then, you know, people update their APIs, you've got new versions of APIs that come out and, and that would just be a nightmare to keep up, keep in touch with. So you're actually reading the language underneath? That's correct. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because you would see something very similar to the concept of the automation finder is what we call in the market process mining technologies. Process mining are actually, you're right by saying they're connecting to the application and reading each application actual log. The challenge with that is that you don't see the bigger picture. You don't see the entire end-to-end -end scenario because you're learning, for example, from SAP, SAP logs. 
But you remember, it's all about human. We want to employ, uh, to augment humans and the employees. We want to understand a human pattern, not necessarily an application log. So indeed, we went to the underlying technologies and we're understanding what is happening with the technology itself rather than the logs it produced. And in addition to that, to understand behavior, we're actually an- analyzing activities and events that are happening on the operating system because eventually every technology is running in the operating system, such as think about the scenario that you're using that control C, control V. The question is, I, I want to know first, not only the logs from where you controlled V from or controlled C from, I want to know that first you did that action, second from what technology and what was your target. I want to know that you copied from SAP and you pasted in Excel. And in this way, I can understand the human behavior and to go to a deeper analysis to see if something can optimize there. And in this way, we connected to all of those different layers to understand the behavior and not only what the application logs or the API are producing. So let's talk a bigger picture here for a second, because this is what hit me. Uh, A lot of people are afraid that AI and augmentation is going to uh, reduce headcount to to cost jobs. And and let's be fair, there are certain organizations that aren't people minded that 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 they will use it for that. I mean, that there's that's a byproduct of it. But one of the things I saw through the optimization is is really about 10 years ago, I would say, is when, when the big outsourcing craze really started to hit, especially in call centers, right? So now when you call a call center, you're talking to the Philippines, you're talking to India, you're talking, right? And, and it, it takes three, four more phone calls for that customer to get through the issue because of the language barrier and everything else. But the reason why they did that was low cost. They, they said, well, you know, they, they, they cost less to, to do that. But then you also get what you pay for and, and, and you lose customers because of that. And what I started to see is, wow, if we could really optimize to where our American-based customers could actually take more phone calls, then maybe that actually brings the jobs back from overseas. And, and that's one of the big things that, that I saw is this technology. But talk about uh, the, the augmentation and creation of jobs versus the reduction of headcount. This is actually right spot on because we are trying constantly to see when we say that big word or when we say augmentation, we are constantly thinking on two main aspects. First, the obvious one. How can indeed we can make some kind of an impact on the time that is being spent throughout the process to make it as optimal and as efficient as we can so those employees can do more. And it doesn't have to be necessarily in a contact center while they are taking a call. You will see in the United States large back office organizations that with 1,000 employees, they need day in, day out processing scenarios without having a customer on the other side. But still, it costs a lot of money and we can. there is a certain capacity we can cover a day. And when we say augment, think about that cyborg that is still human, but he's powered and has some additional abilities. So within the same eight hours work time that we have, rather than covering 50 cases, we'll be able to cover 150 cases, but not because we worked harder, because we had someone that will work with us together. And our um, production actually goes, hu- goes, um, goes up and we can do more with less. And this is where we're doing the first impact. The second impact that you would see is a lot about quality of the process itself. As I said, you remember that we are always serving a type of a customer. So how do you create the engagement more personal? Because you have someone that is taking care of their activities that you are used to take care of, but now you can focus on your customers. So you are kind of creating a kind of a balance between you and the machine on who will do certain parts in the computer and who will do certain parts with the actual customers and and bring in the cognitive part. Now, to wrap this up, 
I want to say also that um, you see that in a lot of scenarios, while we always say that some companies are indeed focusing on letting go of uh, letting employees go, and you would see that eventually, in reality, it doesn't really happen because as much as we would like to say that. 90% or nearly 100% of the organization process can be really automated and be replaced by machine, it's a mistake because you see that there are so many cognitive decisions in so many processes that are required that actually we are still keeping the same stuff but investing in technology. So the question is, how can we see that that stuff will be smarter, the stuffing that we have in our organization, how we can be smarter and how we can make them focus more on the cognitive and less on the technologies and the applications. And eventually, another nice side effect that happened is that you would see with, the, um, with all of the robots that were emerging to organizations, actually new jobs were created here in America. That all of a sudden you see that one of the SMEs, that he was a process expert, he knows everything about that specific business process. All of a sudden he is the owner on optimizing that leveraging the technology. He's converting his skills to something that potentially can be more dynamic, something more interesting. So he will be able to be responsible on this unique optimization. And if you go even to the uh, contact center agent, you would see that now with the new way of processing, all of a sudden that contact center agent, because he has such of a high level of familiarity and he is tech savvy, is turning into be a kind of a software developer because the system is more of a configuration system rather than hardcore development. And he will be able to be the one that is actually configuring those cases by himself. So you see a higher level of engagement because employees are first coming back home and we see a lot of um, uh, onshore capabilities because the organization can do more, but at the same time, you see new type of work that are being open to the organization. So truly, yeah, truly augmenting. So we're going to take our final break right here. We'll have our final segment with more Riva of the Nice Corporation, uh, and, and it's it's great as we're talking about augmentation. Uh, what a better company name than Nice? But uh, we'll be right back with more. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work Life Balance. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. 
If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance. And we're back for the final segment talking about AI robotic process automation. And I, I wanted to, to come back to the to the point that we were just making before break, but let's take let's take some cost numbers here. So, you know, let's say a contact center person costs thirty five dollars, forty dollars an hour to, to an organization onshore. That's that's what they look at. Uh, it's a, a decent person, but then uh, they're taking you know thirty five, forty calls a day, and of those, maybe one or two of the, of the calls, so ten percent of the calls. Uh, five to 10%, they're getting an upsell. So now they outsource that to say the Philippines where it's 10 or $15 an hour. So they're getting two for one. That's what they're thinking, more throughput, that kind of piece. But really, if we were able to optimize, we could turn these employees into like $60 an hour employees by the amount of knowledge that, that we're putting at their fingertips through robots, but also providing them great information on cross-sell, upsell opportunities that they may not have been aware of. So increasing those upsell opportunities to say 10, 15%, even 20, 25% if we, if we start to, to really hone in on that. So from a, a cost savings perspective, it's tremendous um, while still using onshore talent. Does that make sense? First, definitely, you will see indeed one of the, I would say, immediate and, and uh, the easiest one to calculate is indeed that cost impact. And you would see their organization are constantly trying to see how, as we said previously, can do more with less. But something interesting that I want to highlight at this point is that sometimes the real value to organization is not necessarily coming from that cost reduction in order to do more. You will see that organization has many KPIs that they need to meet that sometimes you can make the impact with the robot on a different angle. Think about what if you free up a little bit of time that that time you can focus on increasing sales and bring new revenue to the organization and change that $30 discussion into a multi-million discussion because all of a sudden we are selling new promotion, new packages that we have in the organization. Even with one of the utilities, we were working on actually actively selling new solar panels here in the United States. So how can you bring that new revenue to customers? How can you create new health plans, for example, and try to switch health plan within the healthcare industry, and especially now that all of us are in the active enrollment phase, how we can now optimize the package that we're actually using for the coming year for our health program. So all of those unique additional points that uh, will be like, as I said, increasing that sales in a collaboration with the cost reduction, but as well as things that are as basic as training how much time we're spending mm. on just training employees on being good. What if we'll be able to reduce that training time that sometimes for organization takes three weeks just to train someone. And if we can reduce that in a week, for example, or in a couple of days, how much money will it bring back to the organization? And then when I connect that training phase to the second phase, you see that there is a lot of nesting that is being done. The nesting, it's a phase that you have a kind of a body that is shadowing you that right after training, it will hold your hand and you will do the work together and you need to spend a long time until the employee will be of a high quality. What if instead of doing that, after the training that was already shorter, you will go on your first day, you will actually be shadowed by a robot that will guide you actively on the screen, will explain to you how you should do the activities based on everything that you learned in the cost. So yes, definitely first about the cost impact, but way bigger than that. I think that's amazing. How do people find out more about NICE and, and NICE organization and, and somebody's name that we haven't mentioned, which is Neva? 
Yes. So first, everything that we discussed today, the personal assistant capability, indeed, it's a product we call Niva. Niva stands for Nice Employee Virtual Attendant. And first, if you want to get a personal introduction with Niva, please feel free to go to our YouTube website at uh, YouTube. Just look for Nice LTD and you'll see our automation site and look for Niva inside and also the automation finder. A lot of great videos that you can learn also about real cases that were published by some of our great customers and partners. And in addition to that, you You'll see a lot of great content in our robotic automation website. So please feel free to go to nice.com slash RPA and you'll see all of the information in there. And, um, and if you would like to reach me, for example, I will be available to you at my nice email address. So it's maor.riva at nice.com. And just to um, uh, mention more, it's M-A-O-R dot R-E-V-A-H at nice.com. And of course, I'm also available in social media and I'm always open for those type of uh, unique discussions. So feel free to look my name in LinkedIn, Facebook, and other social media networks. I'll be happy to engage. So essentially, the market is anybody who touches a computer and anybody who uses an application. That's essentially the market for RPA. Is that fair? Even, and I will enhance that first, Definitely, yes, it's fair. And I'm saying when sometimes people are asking me, like, where in the organization we should go? And you see, if you're managing people and if there are people that are doing work, we can do it together better. And if you're using a computer, even more. And the key to that, and, and we really haven't said these words this way this whole time, but the key to that is attended automation. Right? A lot Correct. of people think automation is, you know, start to finish a complete process. This is more guided than uh, complete automation. Is, it, is, it, is that the right way to say it? It's the right way to say that we are saying that we want someone, and I think that the personal assistant is something that a lot of people can actually relate to, that the attended type of automation is every employee personal assistant. It will not do the same for each and every employee because we know that the challenges that every employees are Every employee is different from another. So we will try to customize it to be personal to you and to try to uh, help and assist, as we are saying, to your needs. So that's the type of attended automation that is running on the employee's desktop that is very much different from this end-to-end -end type of automation with RPA. So finally, and, and I'm not going to let you off the hook on this because we ask all of our guests this, but uh, <laughs> what, what, is, what is some of the best advice you've ever received? That's actually a really, really good question. Something that comes to mind, I think, that in my career, someone once told me that, um, you know, we are so busy all the time when personally in my career, I worked in sales position. I started my career actually in R&D and did an entire career change. And now I work in the consulting area and also uh, managing our alliances in the company. And he told me more something that you need to always keep in mind. And today I even understand it way better than before. We are not just buying technologies. Yeah, technologies can be cool. We always think that how technologies can impact our world. But eventually we buy people. And people buy from people. People listen to people. And I think that when we always keep that human touch, and this is, by the way, why I really love the nice vision that it's called the automation for the people. Because when we are always having the discussion around technologies that can do automation end-to-end, -end, yes, that's cool, that's nice. But when you bring it back to people, this is where you see the biggest difference. So I think that not necessarily just on our job and the way that we do on our day-to-day, -day, when we will always keep in mind that we are people that are working with people, this is where we'll make the impact. And I think it's something that really stayed with me on the way that I work on my day-to-day. 
Well, I appreciate uh, your time more. We'll, we'll bring you back. We'll, we'll talk about some more cases. And as people start to hit me up with questions or fears about uh, project management and AI, we'll, we'll answer them directly. But we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you very much for having me. And for the audience, that concludes uh, this episode of the Work-Life Balance. We'll be back to you next Friday right here, same station. Please hang on and listen to the next great show coming from the Voice America Business Network. We will talk to you all next Friday. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.